And of course, their brains don't develop until they're in their mid-20s. So there's no way they could comprehend the complexities of adult yeah. relationships. Right. Right. And so we have to remind them consistently that this is not your fault, that this is adult stuff between your parents, and we're going to work it out. And if the parents can create a sense of security that we're still your parents, that there's a change in the form of our family, another chapter in our family, but we're still a family and always will be, and you're not losing your, your mother or right. your father, you're not... You, you, neither your mother or father are ever going to divorce you, you. and we love you forever and ever and that we're going to work it out. If you give them that sense of security, it helps them get through the, the bumps ahead and the insecurities ahead because the most important thing is still there. The fact that their parents are there loving them and guiding them. Rachel Green, Brooklyn-based divorce mediator and collaborative attorney, and this is my podcast, Keep the Kids in Mind. Join me as I chat with other industry professionals about everything from smoothly navigating your way through divorce to prenups, all the while keeping the kids in mind. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Keep the Kids in Mind. I'm very pleased that my guest today is Rosalind Sadaka of Child-Centered Divorce. Rosalind, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, child-centered divorce sounds like you're really keeping the kids in mind. <laughs> um, I, love, I love the title of your show because you're absolutely right. Um, can you tell me uh, and our listeners a bit about how you came to be doing the work that you're doing? Yes, it was certainly unexpected. I was married for close to 20 years myself. And my son was 11 years old when I finally realized that I had to have a divorce and I had been putting it off for years and years, feeling guilty and worried about messing him up if we did divorce. Mm. But he was being exposed to tension and conflict at home, starting to develop tension, headaches and other symptoms. And I realized I had to do something. And after a lot of counseling and, and coaching, I made the decision and, and it was the right decision for us, for our entire family. And we moved ahead into divorce and I had to learn along with my ex, how to co-parent my son into adulthood. And we did that. We, we went through the ups and downs and all of the uh, mistakes that you make. And um, re he reached adulthood. And one day when he was in his early 20s, he came to me out of the blue and he said, you know, Ma, you and Daddy did a really good job with your divorce. And I just wanted to thank you because most of my friends whose parents divorced either hate their parents or are very angry at them. And I think you and Daddy were really great. And I let out such a sigh of relief. I was holding on to so much guilt and angst about yeah. the experience. And that became a catalyst for me, that moment. I realized that I had learned so much over the years that about what to do, what not to do, and, and how to avoid mistakes, and how to create an outcome where your child actually thanks you for the way you handled the divorce. And at that point, I founded the Child Centered Divorce Network, became a divorce and co-parenting coach. And because my background was also in writing, I wrote several ebooks and e-courses and programs to help people before, during, and long, long after divorce, if they're parents, and that's my passion. 
Right. I mean, what a resource. I, I see families, you know, many families that choose mediation are doing it because they want to shield their children from the conflict. They usually can recognize that children, you know, still need two parents who love them and they're not trying to take their mom away from the kids or their, their dad away from the kids. Um, you know, they, they, re they really earnestly are trying to find their way through so their kids are going to be okay. And, and, uh, and there is so much guilt about it, um, you know, and it's, it's sad. I mean, n nobody, you know, m most of the divorces that I see are, you know, there is some sadness because this isn't where, where people thought it was going to go. Exactly. And it's like, you know, a sharp turn in your life, but your kids can get through it. They'll be changed, but they'll be, they will be okay. That's right. If you can, if you can do it the right way. Um, you know, and none of us is perfect, so that's okay too. <laughs> Absolutely, and and that's the key point. That if both parents can agree that the one thing we have in common, regardless of any dis disagreements we're having, if we could both agree that we love our kids more than anything else, then there's a way of helping them get through this divorce in in a much more positive way, and they can avoid so much of the. Um, so many mistakes and so much of the stress and anxiety and disappointment that happens that, that scars children and, and creates havoc within the family dynamic. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you were describing how you were trying to resist divorcing, that there was a lot of conflict, but you felt like you wanted to hold on for the sake of your son. And, and yet, you know, he probably was sensing the tension that was in the home. Totally. I, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of kids. I mean, there are a lot of adults I know whose parents divorced when they were like in their twenties and they say, Oh, they should have divorced 15 years earlier. Yes. Like we knew, I mean, children always know the truth of their parents, the truth of who we are as their parents and the truth of our relationship. I think, And they always learn the truth of the parents divorce. So you know, we can't hide, we can't hide anything from our kids. I agree. I think all we can do is, is try to say, you know, this is who I am, the good and the bad, and let's figure out the way we can go forward and be as the strongest possible, you know? So um, may I ask, what are some of the, the guidelines or tools that you recommend for parents who are going through this transition? So it's so important to put yourself in your child's shoes, regardless of their age, and see the world through, through their eyes. That's a very good starting point because life is obviously different for a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, and 15-year-old. And you want to understand, no one knows your child better than you. And so you want to understand what their experience is like, what their age understanding is like, and you want to adapt whatever you say and do with them to that age and understanding level. And you want to let them know that there's, there's key things that they need to understand. And, and the first is that this is not their fault. Children innately will feel, maybe if I got, got better grades in my report card, maybe if I wasn't fighting with my, my brother all the time, you know, maybe this, maybe that, then, then my parents wouldn't be divorcing. And of course, we know that's not the case. Even if you're fighting about the kids, it's not the kid's fault. No, and I've never had a divorce where someone said, well, it's because my 
kid didn't do the homework on time. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was putting up, right? But children will but children feel that way. Well, yeah. they're trying to figure it out. In, in, and of course, their brains don't develop until they're in their mid-20s. So there's no way they could comprehend the complexities of adult yeah. relationships. Right. Right. And so we have to remind them consistently that this is not your fault, that this is adult stuff between your parents, and we're going to work it out. And if the parents can create a sense of security that we're still your parents, that there's a change in the form of our family, another chapter in our family, but we're still a family and always will be, and you're not losing your, your mother or your father, you're not you, you, neither your mother or father are ever going to divorce you, you and we love you forever and ever and that we're going to work it out. If you give them that sense of security, it helps them get through the, the bumps ahead and the insecurities ahead because the most important thing is still there, the fact that their parents are there loving them and guiding them. And then we advise parents to step up and make responsible, mature decisions regarding their children every step of the way and avoiding the huge mistakes that we see too often that don't have to take place. Like what? Like what are some of the mistakes that? that well, some of, the, some of the biggest mistakes are fighting around the children and studies have proven again and again and again that, that fighting around children changes who they are and, and scars them emotionally and psychologically, mm -hmm. whether you're still married or, or divorcing. Right. Regardless, it's the fighting. Kids don't want to be exposed to it. And that means even in the other room or on the phone, if you're, if you're fighting like that, it, the tension is what harms children. Mm -hmm. Another huge mistake is, is bad-mouthing their other parent, either to the kids or to someone else who's in the in room. Their, in earshot. In earshot. Right. I, yeah. Children love both parents. And it hurts them. It, it hurts a part of them to know that, that you're saying terrible things about their other parent. So if, if you can avoid those two things, you're starting off in a better level. Also, it's very important not to use your children as confidants. It's very tempting, especially precocious children. They'll put their arm around you and they'll try to parent you because they see you're hurting or suffering. Yeah, children whose parents are separated are even more, even more focused on the parents' emotions, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. So it's very important to realize that when you want to vent and when you're emotionally distraught, you need to speak to your therapist, your divorce coach, to, to a professional and not your children. Because when you share any adult information with your children, it, it immediately ends their childhood and they are no longer in, in their childhood innocence. Suddenly they are thinking about adult issues yeah. and they can't fix it. So right. you're putting them in a level where they they lost their childhood innocence and now they're trying to fix something that can't be fixed or repaired. If, if kids could fix it, life would be a lot different, but there's no way we have enough trouble trying to fix it and we can't. Right. And so it's unfair to them and the, the loss of childhood innocence is robbing them of their childhood. They deserve to have the childhood that every, every child can have and not suddenly become our confidant, our therapist, our, our yeah. friend. So well, I, I often, in mediation, I often um, talk to people about how they're going to talk to the children and 
the advice that I've, you know, I'm not a child specialist, but I've been working in this field for a long time. Um, you know, and, and what I've learned from professionals such as yourself is that um, it's, it's ideal if the parents can talk to the children together and if they have like their logistics worked out in advance, like you're going to see, you know, this parent Monday and Tuesday, you know, and, and they're moving out to this apartment that's four blocks away. Let's go see it. You know, if you have everything like concretized. Um, but is there, are there ways to repair things if parents make mistakes? Well, that's a very important question. And the answer is yes. It, there's never a time when you can't apologize to your child and say, hey, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I, I reacted too quickly and I'm sorry about that. And we're going to do things differently. It teaches our children that people make mistakes, that it's okay to make a mistake if you own it and apologize. And so you're being a wonderful role model for your children. But you said something that I don't always think has to happen. There's important things about that conversation with the children but having the logistics is not top priority. What's important is the emotional and psychological component of talking about the fact that we are a family and that things are gonna be working out okay because your two parents are talking about it and working on it and we'll be sharing with you. So we don't know yet whose house we're gonna be in or where that new apartment is located, or a lot of the other details, they'll come and we'll talk to you about it. We'll keep you in the loop. The important thing is for you to know that things are, are being worked on and that we have you in mind and that we love you so much that we're going to make sure that everything is taken care of for you and around you so you could relax. That's the thing that the kids need to understand. Yeah, this isn't the end of the world. Right. It's right. It's not the end of the world. And we're going to, we're going to be working on it and we love you. Yes. And and we're, still, we're still your parents. Right. And so you could come to either one of us and I advise parents to say, Hey, I'm going to talk to dad about that. And we'll get back to you. I'm going to talk to mom and, and we'll, we'll let you know about that. The same way things used to be before the divorce in that regard if right. you could talk to them as parents together, that's the biggest gift you could give them because that's the most important part of life. If you start doing things separately and the kids get the feeling that one parent is, is doing things totally differently, that creates more fear and anxiety for the children. And so if you can avoid that, it's, it's a huge gift to yeah. give them. And it gives I them a, yeah, I had a couple of few years ago that I worked with and, um, and their um, 16 year old was arrested in the park, you know, across the street with pot. I mean, this was years ago before pot was uh, just a misdemeanor. And, you know, they, they brought this 16 year old down to the station and then he called one parent who immediately called the other parent, you know, and they were like telling me this story because they worked so well together on the whole thing. And then they had to, kind of step up their communication because they they re realized that the kid had been saying oh i'm going to mom's to dad oh i'm going to dad to mom you know i mean they you still have to keep working together even when you're separated so that yeah. you can you know you can be um like a a, a unit <laughs> responding reacting 
when your kid is in crisis. That, that's um, an important point. And, yeah. and that gives children a sense of security that the parents are still doing the parenting thing that they should be doing. Right, even though they push back, especially when they're teenagers and they yell at you and say, exactly. I hate you, you're, you're ruining my life, but you know, they'll thank you for it when they're in their 20s and they come to you and say, you did a good job. <laughs> um, so I, you're, you're saying so many things. I'm just thinking about like different families that I've worked with, like everything you're saying. Um, it's so it's so rich the work that you're that you're doing. Um, so, like, how would you talk differently to a five year old or a fifteen year old? Like, I mean, would you still advise parents to start by saying none of this was your fault? Yeah, um, the younger kids, of course, aren't even going to understand the concept of divorce. So you don't have to. You you want to talk in age appropriate language, and you know your. Right, when you were talking about like see it, the world through their eyes. Right. Yeah. So so you you may not be using the divorce world word at all with mm -hmm. with younger kids. When older kids know it, they may be bringing it up even before you you mention it. They may be picking up on things. Kids will pick up on the energy in the home. Infants will pick up on the energy of the home. So regardless of their age, they will pick up on something about what's going on. And really? the more, yes, the more you can be calm at home oh, and keep, wow. keep the energy as positive as possible, that's what they're picking up on. And they'll, they'll pick up on your energy. So if, if you're feeling all scattered and upset, no matter what you say, things are fine. Well, kids will pick up the fact that it's not yeah. fine. things are fine, Harold. Well, don't worry, things are fine. Exactly. So, so it's it's really staying centered and calm, and and reaching out to support system yeah. of professionals who can help you understand that you're not the first divorce in the universe, nor the last. And there's a lot that we've all learned to help you through it, so you don't have to make mistakes on your own you can avoid so many of the mistakes we read about in the headlines and we hear about because there are better ways of approaching all of it. And I love the fact that mediation is, is a viable alternative for so many families. I always encourage families to go into mediation as, as a first option because it just makes so much sense. We want to avoid the courts. We want to avoid litigation. We want to avoid letting some judge who's looking at your files for 10 minutes or five minutes to be making decisions about your life when it's so much smarter yeah. for the two parents to say, no one knows our family the way we do and our kids the way we do. We know that Johnny is different from Susan and we have to adapt things accordingly. So nothing will um, compensate for the fact that the parents are talking to someone like you or someone who is focused on creating a child-centered divorce, moving ahead in as positive a way as possible, and remembering that it's not the divorce. The divorce may end on paper, but co-parenting goes on the rest of your life. And that's what I try to en encourage clients to understand, that you're setting the stage now to move on into co-parenting your kids. And it's a lifelong experience. So why not start on the best possible terms learn together how to do things in the best way, and then have a, an experience where your children will thank you when they're grown adults, as opposed to embarrassing your kids because they can't be in the same room with the parents for a graduation or, or a wedding 
or happy occasions in life. You want to be setting the stage for giving your kids the gift of not having to, to parent you and take care of you. So how can you help your kids to not feel overly responsible for you? Um, I mean, I, I had uh, a high school intern working with me this summer and I mean this spring and, um, uh, and her parents divorced and that's why she was interested in working with me. But it sounds like her mother completely used her as a confidant. Yes. And, um, and her parents had this one intractable um, conflict over something that they had bought on a trip to Scotland. And I said, it was a hand-carved wooden spoon. And, and I said to her, couldn't they just get another spoon? And she said, but that wouldn't have been the spoon that they got in that trip to Scotland. And, yeah. and I thought, like, ah, <laughs> like. And there she is, an innocent child having to negotiate yeah. between two, two adult parents. It's, and she was it, so aware of this yeah. conflict between them. Yeah. It was just pulled into it. Um, what, I mean, what can parents, can parents undo that once the damage is done? So, or? so there is a lot of questions that I ask um, my, my clients and I love to work with both parents together when I can. Sure, I'll work with one or the other, but very often I'll say, can I speak to both of you together because I'm not siding with moms or dads. I'm here to protect your innocent children. And if you both listen to the same conversation, you can both understand the pitfalls to avoid and the, the sensible steps to take. And so one of the questions is, how will our kids feel about how we handle the divorce when they're grown adults. And parents need to think about that now while they're misbehaving and carrying on and, and acting like immature teenagers themselves and realize that our kids are watching and learning and are gonna hold us accountable. And so sometimes smart parents will stop in their tracks and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we are not really being mature in the way we're handling this. And they'll step up and follow my guidance and your guidance and make better decisions. Also, I ask parents to, when, it, when a parenting decision comes along, to ask themselves, would I make the same decision if we were still married? Or mm -hmm. am I changing the decision because I want to get back at dad? I want to, I want to hurt mom because we, we all know how we can hurt one another when we're dealing with exes. Yes. So if your parenting is pure and you're saying, yes, of course, I would say yes or no about this um, be, as a parent whether we were married still or not, that's one thing. But if you would have said yes, and now you're saying no because you're trying to hurt the other parent, then you're totally off kilter. And so there are ways of, of stopping yourself before you make decisions and think about it more mindfully and make better decisions. And remember, do I love my children more than I may hate or dislike my ex? Oh boy. If you love your children more, then yeah. you're going to make the, the decisions that are in their real best interest. And again, if you talk, you know your kids, you and your ex know your children better than anyone else. If more of those decisions are made between you two, they're going to be cleaner 
and more benign decisions. They're going to be better decisions, more heartfelt decisions for the kids that you love. You supposedly say you love the kids, then make decisions in their best interest and reach out to a mediator, to a therapist, to a coach. If you have a snarl, if there's a decision, if there's something came along that you can't fix, it can be mediated. It can be a, yeah. a, a worked on in, right. in a way that's going to let you move ahead because there's going to be dozens and dozens of little snarls and challenges ahead. And so I remind parents, you want to be as cooperative as possible and do each other favors as much as possible because your ex is going to need a favor from you and you are going to need it from them. You can't go through decades of co-parenting without right. Never needing a favor. So, yeah. so there, there are ways of, of learning communication skills so you could talk to each other more civilly. There are tools out there so that if you don't talk well to one another, especially in the early years, then you can have everything in writing so that it's there. There's, there's a new tool that just came out called Co-Parent Hub in which anytime you need to be contacted by a school or a medical or, or some important um, element, both parents get called on a special phone number together and hear the same conversation so that they're both in the loop. Oh, and that's that, great. Yes, that helps parents co-parent together because neither one has to be the one explaining what happened. You're hearing it directly from the doctor's office or the principal's office or wherever it's, it's coming from. And so you don't feel like angry that some, this major thing happened and you only yes, heard yes. about it after the. It's not distorted and misinterpreted. Right. right so right. There, are, there are many, many resources all yeah. available today to help you co-parent effectively maturely and responsibly so that your kids will thank you as opposed to being angry at the way you you distorted things. I guess a lot more tools now than there used to be on online. Yeah. Hopefully there are, yes. Yeah. So what what would you advise? Um, I mean, I, maybe therapy is the obvious answer to this question, but I, what would you advise, you know, when like, probably the most painful circumstances that I see are when someone is, is leaves the marriage because they've, they met someone else. And then the, the parent who did not initiate the divorce is, you know, is devastated and sobbing and like a, a puddle of misery and, 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 and how, you know, how can parents not, <laughs> I mean, children would be really aware that, you know, one parent is a is sobbing mess. Pain and suffering. There's no doubt about it. That's, that's why so many of these things get so complicated and that happened. So, and I had a, a, a couple who, who were in that circumstance and dad was so angry at the fact that mom had an affair. He wanted to tell the kids. Yes. Early on. And I've I heard that. Yeah. And they say... I'm not going to lie to my child. Right, right. I don't want my them eight -year -old. to be divorced because of me. This is all because of, yeah. of mom. And the eight-year-old does not want to hear it. <laughs> and not only doesn't want to hear it, but what value, what good will there be for your eight-year-old or your 12-year-old or even your 15-year-old to know about this? Because it's going to be in their head. They can never unhear it. Never. They can't comprehend it because it's hard enough for adults to comprehend these the complexities of addictions and affairs and all of these complex 
things that happen to adults. So I explained that to him that will, will there be any value in your children's lives to know that mom had an affair before they're adults? And he understood that there is none. That's why all professionals say you don't share adult information with children because their brains cannot comprehend it and it's an unfair burden to put on them. And so dad got the message to his credit and they had a peaceful divorce because that piece of information was something that wasn't part of the information that, that was shared with the parents to the, to the children. And if dad wants to share that when his kids are in their 20s and have another conversation with them, that's fine. But he's giving the kids the privilege of having their childhood without trying to figure out and analyze and psychoanalyze mom and dad and why this happened, because it's beyond their pay grade to be doing that. And it, it's a burden that he avoided putting on the kids. And so they were able to have a, a child-centered divorce that worked out well. Good for him. It sounds yeah. like you said exactly the right thing at the right moment. Like to just have to, to to shift his thinking to think really how how would it benefit your child to hear yeah. about this now? And that's the beauty of when I can get both parents as early on as possible. Yeah. It just makes things easier because you could avoid the bumps if if I'm talking to them after all these bumps, it's it's harder. But again, what we talked about early on is the fact that we can apologize to our kids and we could say, you know, I said something I shouldn't have said. I confided something I shouldn't have. I made a decision that I wasn't thinking clearly about and I apologize. Please forgive me because that's not what I want to do. And moving forward, we're doing things differently. So it's never too late to undo differences and changes that, that you should have made differently. It's right. never too late to do that. And that's the good news. Yeah. So we move ahead and anything can be healed more if both of you are, are willing to heal it for the sake of the well-being of the entire family. Right, right. And, you know, and if you do love your children. More than your ex. Which really, you know, most people do. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. It, it makes all the difference in the world. And that's why this work is so rewarding for me because... Mm -hmm. In, in a lot of cases, not every case, because some people are going to charge ahead despite the advice I give them. But in many, many cases, we're able to avoid so many snarls along the way, so many pitfalls. And the they can have a child-centered divorce and the kids can grow up more peacefully and, and have to deal with all the challenges that growing up involves regardless of divorce. Right, right. So um, what are some of the strategies for effective co-parenting that shields the children from the, you know, you mentioned this um, parent hub thing, which sounds like a great, a great uh, tool for, you know, yeah, when no, there's emergencies. Oh, or, yeah, exactly. Um, well, one of the things that I remind my, my clients is to catch your ex doing something right. You know, if every comment oh, you have, is bitching about this and that. And we all are justified in having thing, issues and problems about mistakes our exes made. It's not surprising. But if you can catch them doing something right and just say, hey, thanks for picking up Johnny an hour earlier on Thursday. You really saved me so much aggravation. I owe you one. Just as, you know, a sort of pat on the back verbally, just acknowledging them so that not every time you're talking to them is it is it about 
you did this wrong, you did that wrong, this is a mistake, that's a mistake. That creates a much more positive environment between the two of you, and your ex is more likely to thank you, and you need one another. Who can you trust more in taking care of the kids you love than their other parent, right. much more than just a strange babysitter? Right. So, so create that. Catch them doing something right. Yes. <laughs> and learn communication skills. There are better ways of saying things. Mm. So if you start the conversation with you always and yeah. point your finger, you're putting that person on the defensive no matter what happens afterwards. But if you if you use the I language, I'm feeling concerned that Johnny isn't doing this. And so the conversation is is about your feelings and not about pointing the finger. Can we talk about that? What do you think about this? And and starting the conversation in a way when you're not putting your partner on the defensive, that always helps ease the way. Mm -hmm. And also being willing to say, what do you think about and opening the door to a dialogue rather than you're just saying, this is what I want to do, A, B, C, D. Mm. So there are ways of fair fighting also so that you're listening and you're repeating back what you heard your your ex say. Very often we're so agitated, we listen and we're not hearing because we're thinking about what we're going to say next. And when you paraphrase back, so you said, so what's upsetting you is la da 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 da. And the very often they'll say, no, that's not what's upsetting me. What's upsetting me is this. We misheard it very often. So how right. are we going to have a conversation if we're both understanding it differently? That so, happens all the time in mediation. Yeah. That's yes. like the main tool of mediation is, is that, you know, is that reflecting back what they said and checking in with them. Is that really what you meant? And then, you know, and then they're ready when they feel heard, they're ready to listen to the so, other person. That's such an important point. People all want to feel heard and acknowledged. So the, any little thing you can do to let your partner know that they're being heard and acknowledged goes a long way to just easing the tension and opening the door to continued dialogue. And, and we need that. We can't go be parents, parents having good communication skills. So divorce is an excellent opportunity to say, how can I learn more? How can I be more mindful in the way I'm having my conversations? But, you know, it's occurring to me that that's true of children, too. Like yeah. at all ages, they need to be heard. And that's how these conversations can start, too, by, you know, how how are you feeling? Yes. It, and you said something so important that I always talk to clients about, and that is getting down an eye level, looking at your child and listening to what they're saying. How are they feeling about things? They will give you information that you may not be picking up until much later on when it's when it's much more complex and difficult. And don't make them feel wrong for venting and, and they're not happy about the divorce. They're not happy about some of the plans that, that you've made. And you need to acknowledge that and say, I, I hear you, I understand why you're not happy. I wish I could change this. Maybe we could do something about that and see if you could find a way to mediate, to come up with, with some positive win-wins on all accounts and let them understand that life is complex. We don't always get everything the way we want it, right. but we can work towards making things a little better. Let's talk about it and give them the opportunity to understand that conversation and dialogue 
are, are very important, but what they say matters. They're not being discounted. And that's mm -hmm. a huge, huge step forward. Well, this, I, this is a wonderful conversation. I'm so, I feel so inspired. I don't know. I think I didn't get a lot of sleep last night and like you, <laughs> you, I keep tearing up from what you're saying because it's, it's just getting to the crux of like protecting children and, you know, everybody wants their kids to be fine. And I want, the parents to be fine too. Like that's what we're trying, you know, we're trying to go to forward toward healing and, and, and love, you know? Um, so just tell, you know, just to finish up, tell our, our listeners um, what they can find you at, at childcenteredivorce.com. Yes. Child. And you, have, you have books and you have work books and programs like what please tell us about your offerings okay so at childcenteredivorce.com i have a, a wealth of information i have a free ebook right on the home page just enter your email address and you'll get a free book on post divorce parenting success strategy I'm gonna get that book. getting it right i've been doing this for so long i'm good good <laughs> and then i have i have a very unique ebook on breaking the divorce news to children that's that's mm. very it's internationally acclaimed called mm -hmm. How Do I Know the Kids About the Divorce? A Create a Storybook Guide to Protecting Your Children with Love. And you actually use family photos and pictures and create a storybook and it becomes the script so that both parents don't have to hum and haw dur during these difficult conversations. And the kids are seeing a picture book about them with pictures of them and their family and they could reread it over and over again in the days and weeks and months following the initial conversation, which is very helpful for them to remember certain things and remember that this is going to pass and things are going to get better in their lives and that it's our responsibility as parents to do that. I also have an eight-hour anger management for co-parents course that oh, parents can take that's either voluntary or can be court-mandated. And that really gives them the information they need to make better decisions about how they handle anger issues in life, which is very helpful. And I have several different formats for success strategies in co-parenting. I have a, a audio coaching program with a workbook as well as, as an, an ebook format. So there's lots of options there and it's all at childcenteredivorce.com. What a wonderful resource. I'm definitely, I'm going to go on my website and link to your website right now. Thank you. <laughs> Roslyn, thank you that. so much for being a guest. I have just loved talking to you this morning and uh, you're doing wonderful work. And I'm so glad you're out there as a resource to these families in transition. And I, I so appreciate your interviewing me today. Thank you.